All of it is supported by Missouri, makers of handcrafted jewelry that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Missouri has you covered. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is All of It. I'm Allison Stewart. Tonight was supposed to be the opening night of the Tribeca Film Festival. Usually lasting 12 days, the festival normally features Q&A with filmmakers and movie premieres. But this year, parts of the festival are moving online. Select content will debut on the Tribeca website, including a series of short films, and the jury awards will be announced there as well. But because the festival isn't, the physical festival isn't happening, we're launching our series called Tribeca-ish to provide a platform for artists affected by the festival's postponement. We're kicking it off with the opening night film for the festival. It's a screening that was supposed to be a real live event at the Beacon. It's called Jimmy Carter, Rock and Roll President. And it's a unique biography of the 39th president using his love of music as a way to tell his story. From growing up on gospel in his hometown of Plains, Georgia, to hosting the Allman Brothers and Bob Dylan and Willie Nelson at the White House. It also shows how he used music in diplomacy to bridge political divides and make connections to the younger generation. Let's listen to a clip describing Carter's connection to rock and roll on the campaign trail. Jimmy Carter comes along. Hunter endorses him. So naturally, he had young people start to gravitate to him. And he's being supported by some of the most famous, important people in the rock world, namely the Allman Brothers. And they spoke in the words and language of the rock and roll era. One thing in Carter's association with rock music, that was the music of change and, you know, and dissidents and hippies and pot smokers. There was a risk politically for that, and it didn't matter to him. The film was directed by Mary Wharton, who has worked on numerous music documentaries, including Joan Baez, How Sweet the Sound, and Sam Cooke, Legend. It features both current-day interviews with key figures that gave momentum to Carter's political career, as well as a whole lot of great archival footage, including performances from Paul Simon and Aretha Franklin. And Mary Wharton joins me now. Mary, welcome to All of It. Thank you. So nice to be here. So you have something in common with Jimmy Carter. You're both Grammy Award winners. <laughs> how, did <Yes>. you, <laughs> how did you come up with the idea to use music as the vehicle to tell his story? Well, you know, the, the story of his uh, connection to music was really the impetus for the film. Um, the producer of the film, Chris Farrell, uh, he's the one that actually found this story uh, and brought it uh, to me. And we, you know, had been talking about making a film together for a while, but we hadn't found the right subject. But as soon as he told me about this aspect of President Carter's life, that I, quite frankly, had no idea about this. And when I heard it, I was just like, what? It didn't make any sense to me, you know, because Mm -hmm. I... I'm a huge music geek. I've I've studied, you know, music history and in particular rock and roll history for my entire career and I was just like how is this even possible that I didn't know this story and so I figured there would be a lot of other people who would be interested in it too. 
Um, and I was also kind of just, you know, drawn by the idea of not trying to tell President Carter's entire life story. This is not a cradle-to-grave biography, and, you know, thank, thankfully he's not reached the grave yet. But um, this is, you know, to using music as the lens that you look at somebody's life, I just wanted to be able to kind of use that as a way to talk about bigger ideas than just the events of a person's life. And I think the film is a real celebration of the power of music um, to bring people together. And, and, um, and President Carter is this sort of unexpected tour guide through the, um, you know, popular music of the past 50 years. One thing I was struck by in the interviews is how much admiration the musicians had for him and musicians yeah. who, didn't, who also didn't share his political, his political views at all. Yeah, it's, it is really interesting. I mean, you know, we have, uh, we, we made an effort to try to, you know, have people from different kind of political viewpoints represented and and it it really was amazing to see how respected president carter is um across the board you know we were surprised by um how many people we were able to uh get to participate in the film um and and that kind of speaks to President Carter's, you know, the esteem that he has held uh, amongst all these folks. And um, he just, I don't know, he's an extraordinary um, human being who kind of exudes this kind of radical goodness. And and I think True. that's what people connected to, you know, Hard, like musicians. hardcore kindness, like gangster kindness. Yeah, yeah. It, and it's, it's you know, it's remarkable to see. Um, and, and it was so inspiring to me to, to, to learn about this and learn more about him and, and to kind of be reminded of um, what it looks like to have a leader who kind of makes his decisions based on what is the genuinely right thing to do. My guest is Mary Wharton. The name of her film is Jimmy Carter, Rock and Roll President. So you have uh, great interviews. You've the late Greg Allman, Madeline Albright's in this, Willie Nelson's in this, Trisha Yearwood. Um, and of course, Jimmy Carter is in, in this. When he talked to you about mm. the importance of music to him, what did you get? What why he was a music fan, why it was important to him? Uh, you know, it's interesting. His connection to music goes back so far and deep into his life that that it, it, it felt like kind of part of his DNA in a way. Like he, his music was his connection to the outside world when he lived in this little tiny town 
in South Georgia with no electricity and no running water growing up. You know, he heard the radio and and music. Uh, it, it's it's really interesting too because it's, I was surprised by like not just that he was a music fan, but that he had such a a broad um, breadth of expertise in all different kinds of music and, and was so passionate about it. And it was so amazing to see him really light up when he started to talk about it. You know, it, here's a man who has been interviewed, I'm sure a million times on a million topics over the years. And he you know, I've I've watched a lot of interviews that he's given over the years, and I I I don't think I've ever seen him in the same way that he appears on screen in in this film because there's just so much pure joy inside him when he talks about music, and I think he also really enjoyed like. Just the, the idea that people probably have this sort of, you know, idea about him that he's kind of like a fuddy-duddy and kind of a square, and and you know, there's a line in in the beginning of the movie where he says, you know, um, there were people that that would have objected to me, you know, hanging out with all these rock and rollers and radical people. And the look on his face is like he's just so pleased to to just <laughs> say like you know I I he just didn't even care he's just totally blasé about the whole thing, and I I just find that so amusing and 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 lovely to watch. We learn in the film that growing up in Plains, Georgia, that then little Jimmy Carter had an appreciation for gospel music. Yeah. What impact impact did that have on his life and on his politics? Well, you know, he is really um, eloquent about how the fact that, you know, growing up in the South during, uh, you know, the years of segregation, that the, the songs that were sung in the black churches were the same as the songs that were sung in the white churches. And, and, and he saw that as, as something that would bring people together in his little corner of the world where, you know, the races were, were being driven apart uh, all the time. So, you know, I think that he's also a a deeply spiritual man and um gospel touches that and obviously you know so so you know he he, he i think gospel is is that that sort of you know super deep musical connection that he has with with gospel is is related to his his beliefs that you know what what the, the message of of the lyrics of gospel songs and you know he mentions he talks a lot about the song amazing grace and how you know that is uh, you know probably one of the representations of like a song that we can all 
understand no matter where we come from, no matter what our political beliefs or what what our socioeconomic status is, we can all come together on the message of amazing grace that, you know, none of us are without sin, but, you know, we, by the grace of God, you know. Um, so I think that, you know, gospel is important to him and, and he, um, you know, was was very, when he was in the White House, he, he put on a, a gospel concert to, to, to recognize that. And, and I think that, you know, he's, he's, you know, stayed in touch with the performers that he loves is through, you know, his connection to gospel has, has been just remained strong to this day. My guest is Mary Wharton. The name of her film is Jimmy Carter, Rock and Roll President. It's part of our tribeca series, films that we're going to screen at the Tribeca Film Festival. In the, in the film, both former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright, who served on his National Security Council, and his former campaign manager, Peter Conlon, mentioned his use of music as a soft power. How did he use music as a soft power during his presidency and, as cam- and when he was campaigning? Well, for the campaign, it was, um, you know, a little more cut and dry because he really, by reaching out to groups like the Allman Brothers, by quoting Bob Dylan lyrics at the Democratic National Convention, you know, he was signaling to the young people um, that, you know, he he was sort of hip to their, you know, vibe. <laughs> and and that was a big part of, of what got him elected. You know, he, he the young people's vote was very crucial in, in getting Jimmy Carter into the White House. And um, so, you know, young people out there who might be listening, <laughs> register to vote. <laughs> but, um, you know, during his administration, the use of music and culture is is a really strong tool for for diplomacy. And in the film, there's the great story of of when uh, the United States first opened up diplomatic relations with China, which had been, you know, put into process by the Nixon administration, but it wasn't actually formally enacted until Carter was in office. And the Chinese ambassador, who was the first, um, you know, representative of the People's Republic of China to come to uh, America in official capacity, came to Washington and was a fan of country music. And, he, and they asked him, you know, what do you like? And he said, I like country music. And so they took him to Nashville and had brunch with Johnny Cash and and Minnie Pearl and uh, a whole but Barbara Mandrell was part of this whole you know weekend that they that Nashville rolled out the red carpet for for this guy and and it, you know it played a part in making him feel comfortable and making him feel welcome and you know music has music really is that powerful to like help diplomacy happen. Um, and that was just one example, but it was something that Carter kind of used regularly. 
My guest is Mary Wharton. The name of her documentary is Jimmy Carter, Rock and Roll President. So there's something interesting. It was in that clip a little bit is that some of the people that Carter befriended and hung around with were getting busted on drugs. And there was a lot of pot smoking around. And how did he navigate those waters of being, you know, an elected public official and, you know, having Willie Nelson talk about getting busted the day before he's supposed to go to the White House. Right. You know, I mean, Carter, it's interesting because, you know, the the, the story that's told in the film about Greg Allman getting arrested um, is interesting because obviously everyone, you know, that that happened just a couple of, weeks or months before uh, the Democratic National Convention, and everyone told President Carter that he should distance himself from this person who had just been arrested on charges of, of, you know, cocaine. Uh, I I forget exactly what the charge was, but it was... And the Allman Brothers had raised... ...sale or possession... And they had but, raised a lot of money yeah. for Carter, we should, put, we should put out there. They had been very, very integral yes. in helping to raise money for him. They had, and, 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 and bringing attention to him as well. When people, he, he wasn't really known outside of the South when he first started his campaign. And, um, and you know, he was advised to, 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 to back away and distance himself from, from Greg Allman. And, and he never did. And, you know, there's when we asked uh, Carter's son, Chip, about that, there is a, a, a piece that is not actually in the final cut of the film. But he he his response was that, you know, his his father saw that this was a time when Greg Allman probably needed help and he wasn't going to abandon his friend just because he was in trouble and because it might be politically advantageous for him to distance himself from that person. And it kind of just speaks to Carter's humanity and his, his sort of strong Christian beliefs that he was not prepared to judge somebody else's mistakes, but he wanted to be a friend to someone when, you know, perhaps they were at their darkest moment. And, you know, it very well could have cost him the election, but he didn't care. He just, you know, stood by his friend and, in fact, invited Greg Allman to have dinner with him at the White House on the very first day that he spent the night in the White House. Greg Allman and Cher were there to um, have dinner with the Carter family. So I think it's just a testament to what an amazing human being President Carter is. The name of the film is Jimmy Carter, Rock and Roll President. Are we going to get to see it someplace soon, fingers crossed? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Mary Warren. You know, Oh, sorry. But it's, uh, you know, it's been it's, it's a strange time. But, you know, I, re- I really hope that people get to see it. I hope that it, it uh, is inspiring to people. 
The name of the film is Jimmy Carter, Rock and Roll President. Mary, thanks for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All of it is supported by Majuri, makers of handcrafted, ethically sourced jewelry for every day that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Majuri has taken the guesswork out of gifting, offering everything from dainty 14K solid gold pieces to pearls, diamonds, gemstones, and more. Make it personal with an engraving, or if you can't decide, check out their curated gift guide. Let them take care of the rest, gift wrapping included. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus easy returns and a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it.